I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast. Autumn is definitely in the air here at the RHS headquarters in Vincent Square in London. There's that golden slanting light coming through the trees and because of the plane trees that surround Vincent Square there's that childlike pleasure of crunching through the nice dry leaves on your way into the office. I'm Sean Thomas, Garden Visits Editor of the RHS's magazine for members, The Garden. Coming up in today's podcast, we learn the secrets of perfectly perfumed garlic from one of the UK's specialist nurseries. Botanist James Armitage continues his series of plant portraits as he encounters some of the more unusual specimens in RHS Garden Wisley's plant collection, plus practical seasonal advice on what jobs you can tackle in your garden now from the RHS's horticultural team. So my name is Matthew Pottage and I'm the curator here at RHS Garden Wisley. Things to be doing and looking out for in your own garden and actually what I've been doing at home recently, if you haven't got round to it yet, if you haven't done any checks or treatment with nematodes for vine weevil, if you've got potted plants or succulents that they particularly like to go for, like echeverias or sempervivums, uh, do just keep an eye on them. If they've been in a container a while, they can be susceptible to vine weevil. Hookahs are another one. Uh, now the soil's getting colder, if you haven't done a nematode drench, chances are you would have missed the boat because they do like it when the, when the compost is slightly warmer, that's when they, they, they are most effective. So do just check them. If you've lost something like a sempervivum to vine weevil, chances are it just lifts off the compost, there's no roots there. You know, all is not lost. You can clean up the base of it, pick off any rot, take off any dead leaves, and place them on top of a you know fresh compost, free draining compost in a nice sunny spot. They will take root. And then, as we're coming into the colder time of year, just that you know, assurance has everything gone inside that needs to go inside. Does anything need a protective mulch? Does it need a bit of leaf mold over it just to help get it through the winter? We've got lots of gingers, hidichiums that we keep outside at Wisley, and they are relatively hardy, but just with an extra bit of compost or leaf litter on the top will just help them go through those colder months of the year. And then for the indoors, if you're a houseplant gardener, I'm a big houseplant fan myself, it's to the time of year to start slowing down with watering, so the light levels are falling, plants aren't going to be taking up so much water, and obviously they already have a lot lower light level in, in an indoor situation, so any daylight they can get is precious. So do look at your houseplants. If they're covered in a layer of dust, that's not going to help them soak up that all-important sunlight, so give them a clean, give the leaves a wipe over, 
If something's in a really gloomy corner of the room and you can afford to move it a bit closer to the window, that will help it and just see that things don't get too wet. You know, houseplants do need some water in a central heated home, they will dry out. Even true with cacti and succulents, you can't give them absolutely nothing till next March. They do need something, but more of a weekly basis as opposed to say twice a week. And the warmer the room, the quicker the compost is gonna dry out. So don't forget them all together, but do slow up and do give them a bit of a clean up if they're looking a bit dusty. And it's a very exciting time at Wisley, it's a time of change and we're standing here on the Seven Acres lawn as we call it, which is by the main restaurant and as you can probably hear there's a lot of construction, there's a lot of noise and actually an interesting time I lost my office about a month ago so Aberconway Cottage where I used to be based has, has now gone from the landscape altogether and we're about to start the demolition of Aberconway House. We're going through quite a slow process at the moment of taking all the tiles off the roof and wherever possible we're recycling, salvaging anything from these buildings. And this is of course in preparation for our new entrance which is being developed and this will be a much bigger, freer, more open, much more accommodating space to enter Wisley. So on busier days it still feels like there's plenty of space around you and you can sit and enjoy the garden. At the moment our facilities are a bit cramped and our retail is a bit tired so it's really time for an upgrade this will be going on for the rest of 2017 and through nearly all of 2018 we might have this open by the end of 2018 or early 19 obviously it's quite a long period of building and sometimes delays happen but we're working to be open late next year and one of the things that we really wanted to do was share this journey with our visitors so when you come down here you'll see an exhibition site office you can go in there you can look at models of how it's going to look there's artists impression of how it's going to look and then through the back there's a viewing platform so you can actually go out there peer through the windows and actually see the construction site so when the buildings were coming down it was obviously very popular and everyone was watching this huge digger clawing away at my old office and, and what is exciting is the sight lines that this opens up. So we're already getting views of the laboratory that we never saw before from down here, which is such a pretty old building. And, you know, it really gives us the opportunity to, you know, future-proof Wisley for the next hundred years. So our next big development horticulturally in the garden here is the re-landscaping and the refresh of the heather garden. We've just finished our exotic garden, that's now open. And then throughout this winter, we're gonna start refreshing the heather garden. So the heathers have been growing down there some 20 years. They are past their best, they are tired, and shrubs have a lifespan. And you know, it's time to do something different with the heathers. We're very proud to have the National Collection. And we have worked with a partner called John Hall, who's a, a nurseryman known for his heathers. And he's worked with us to repropagate that whole collection. And now we have that uh, assurance that they're rooted, they're growing, we've got young plants in the pipeline. This winter we'll start to remove those island beds of heathers in the area known as Howard's Field. And what we want to do down there is completely refresh that landscape so there won't be island beds. We're going to play around with some of the levels so it would be more June-like, so undulating landscapes. And we're going to mix in all our ornamental grass collection too. So there'll be grasses, heathers, and some other interesting companion plantings that you might not expect, so you need to watch that space. But that will kick off this November, so November 2017, and that will be going on with a view to being open and finished by next spring, early summer. And then of course next autumn will be the first proper flush of the heather flowers. So loads going on as always. 
But for the end of this year, one of my favourite events at Wisley is our Christmas Glow. Uh, you can look it up on the website for exact times, but it basically runs for December. And the gardens open later at night. We uplight many of the trees. There's a fairy lit trail throughout the garden. And we have lots of big, giant flowers, which are all... They're, they're made of fabric, actually, but they're quite fantastic. They're enormous. We have tulips, roses, lilies. And they're kind of punctuating just the natural beauty of the tree collection that's uplit. Uh, so come along to that. You can have a mulled wine, hot mince pie and a walk around and see Wisley in a completely different light. Matthew Pottage, curator at RHS Garden Wisley. Through the year, the RHS Gardens host a variety of events and attractions to inspire and entertain visitors of all ages. During half-term week, each garden puts on an array of activities for younger visitors, including creepy creatures trails, crafts and workshops. Meanwhile, in London, we'll be hosting the RHS Autumn Garden Show from 25th to the 26th of October, which will offer innovative planting ideas to add late-season colour and texture to your garden, along with expert talks and unusual plants for sale. You can find full details of all these events and many more on our website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. One specialist nursery whose seasonal display attracted a lot of attention from visitors at this year's London Harvest Festival show early this October was the Garlic Farm. There is little to beat the flavour of freshly picked homegrown garlic and there are a surprising number of varieties of different shapes, sizes and intensity of flavour. We visited the stand to hear tips on successful cultivation of this popular crop. My name is Selena Campbell. I'm the manager of the garlic farm on the Isle of Wight and we do all the farmers market in London and all other regions as well, in the Midlands, in the North Countries. And I'm at the Royal Horticultural Society Harvest Festival in London. We're a fabulous crowd here. <laughs> we have a different variety. We have the soft neck and the hard neck. Um, the difference between the soft neck and the hard neck is the appearance of the garlic. The hard neck has a long flowering stem called the scape. You can eat the scape as well. That scape has actually got lots of minerals in there and it's very, very good for you. It has a little bit of less clove because of the flowering spike, but it thrives and grows better than the soft neck. The hard neck has a terminal pot which produces an umbel which you can actually grow. The bulbils, you can remove it from the scape and you can plant it exactly like the cloves. If you leave it like a couple of seasons, you can get more garlic out of there. In the British soil, we can grow hard neck or the soft neck and some part we have not so cold winter. The soft neck will be suitable and the hard neck will be more good for the uh, hardy winter. We are in October, so this is a really good time to plant because we need uh, the frost. Up to maybe about November, December, you can still continue planting. From one baby clove, it becomes a bulb. So this is the best time to plant. The earlier we get the frost, the better the quality of the garlic will be. When you grow garlic, it's best to have the best quality soil that you can find. A lot of people make mistakes thinking that, oh, I plant the garlic and just leave it there. You need to water it, you need to feed it at the right time, and feeding is important. You need about one or two teaspoons of very high nitrogen fertilizer if you can. Try to find the organic ones if you could. 
they'll be really good for the plants. So the mistakes a lot of people make is actually forgotten to feed, forgotten to water, and that's why it's not successful. But if you take good care of it, it will be really quite successful. And sometimes people harvest it earlier than they should, depending on the variety, starting from the early purple, which you can start harvesting in June. That's the earliest harvest, and then way right up to August. You really need to wait for the leaves and all the plants to wilt all on the floor before you start harvesting, then you get a really good garlic. Now we make our own chutneys and sauces and dressings, even garlic beer. Uh, and uh, all from our own garlic that we grow. I think our soil is special and I think our weather is really good for garlic. Isle of Wight especially is closer to France and it's much warmer than other regions of the country so we get suitable weather for the garlic and we find that the sauces are very popular among people because garlic is not something that is easy to introduce to the British cuisine only like past 15 years people start eating more of garlic in UK so we incorporated garlic in our chutneys and people can still have the goodness of garlic in their favorite uh, British sauces we have onion marmalade, which is very, very popular, and we have the vampire range, which is slightly hot, but it's very popular for Halloween time. We have the relish, we have the revenge. People tend to like exotic flavors, so we also have peach and mango, coronation sauces. Today, I have been selling a lot of the planting and also the garlic mayonnaise. Garlic is quite versatile in all the cooking, but we would recommend roasting is the best in terms of taste. The most popular one is the elephant garlic, which we grow in the farm. And you just slice the elephant garlic in half, drizzle it with olive oil, season it, and wrap in foil. Roast it in the oven for about 45 minutes. When it's cooked, you will just squeeze it out from the bulb and you can use it as a spread, add it in your mashed potatoes, you can make your own garlic bread with it, and even your own pesto sauces with it. We have the smoked garlic as well, which is very popular. Smoked garlic is very good for roast chicken. Use one whole of the smoked garlic into the cavity of the chicken, and you drizzle olive oil all over the, the chicken with our garlic butter, and you can bake the whole chicken in the oven, and you come out wonderful taste of garlic um, meal. You can smoke your own garlic. There's a lot of smokers now being sold in the market. You can actually smoke them uh, using the quality of chips that you like. Some like it oak, some like it with mulberry, some like it with maples. And then we hot smoke it in over the English oak chipping for 48 hours. Then it comes out to be really nice intense flavour. That's almost all we have time for in today's podcast. But before we go, let's hear the next of James Armitage's series of plant encounters. A botanist from the RHS science team, James has been exploring the remarkable stories behind some of the seemingly unassuming plant varieties growing at RHS Garden Wisley. In the summer of 1903, the Royal Horticultural Society's frustrating search for a new garden came to an end. It was then that Sir Thomas Hanbury, owner of the dazzling garden at Le Mortola on the Italian Riviera, made a gift of a 60-acre estate at Wisley, Surrey, which he had bought upon the death of its owner, George Ferguson Wilson. The previous 30-acre garden at Chiswick, West London, had been under the Society's care since the 1820s, 
but the unrelenting advance of industrialization had made conditions chronically unsuitable to the cultivation of plants. In 1877, the district railway had reached Twickenham Green, bringing with it the Victorian grime and pollution attendant on a ballooning local population. But it was over a quarter of a century later that the move to the countryside was finally made. Through the autumn and winter of 1903 and into spring the following year, a vast body of plants made the 30-mile journey from the sooty city to the open skies of rural Surrey, under the bulldog supervision of the superintendent, Samuel Thomas Wright. One of the first plants to be sent to Wisley, that had not had a previous life at Chiswick, was a specimen that now holds the distinction of being the oldest cultivated plant in the RHS collection. It is an example of the Japanese larch, Larix camephori. This diminutive conifer holds a certain fame among the plants of the rock garden, where it now grows, and its senior standing is marked with a small plaque that reads, This plant was presented to the Society on 3rd August 1905 by the firm of J. Carter and Son, Seedsman to the King. The plant, being pot-grown, was reputed to be 100 years old when it came from Japan. It was not until 1912 that it was finally planted in its present location. Here, there is one of those small mysteries that seem to arise so commonly in gardens, for the listing in the old ledger, where new accessions were recorded, gives the larch as being received on the 21st October 1904. Another source gives a date of June 1905. The occasion of the presentation and the significance of the plant can only be speculated upon. It seems likely it might have been thought a suitable gift to celebrate the move to Wisley. One intriguing story that has persisted down the years, perhaps with some embellishment, is that the oriental donor by whom carters were sent the plant was none other than Maiji the Great, 122nd Emperor of Japan, which would certainly have lent it some prestige. What happened to the plant immediately after its arrival at Wisley is not clear, but it resurfaces in 1912 with the completion of the new rock garden. This had been the most ambitious project undertaken by the RHS since acquiring the estate. A two-acre slope opposite the wild garden, rearing up from the long ponds, was chosen and hundreds of tonnes of Sussex sandstone transported as massive slabs onto the site on temporary tramways built specifically for the purpose. Pools and cascading water were fashioned into the landscape before planting could begin. Perhaps indicating that it was considered a specimen of some importance, a choice spot was chosen for the larch, high up on the western end of the development, and there began the cultivation regime to which it has been subjected ever since, of cutting back its growth to two buds each February or March to ensure the retention of its dwarf habit. Today it stands, as it has done for a century and more, like some ancient hunched sensei, surveying the sprawl of the rock garden below it, mute witness to two worlds, oceans apart, both long disappeared. James Armitage. You can find more information, illustrations and photos of the plants James has discussed on the RHS website. There you can catch up with any previous parts of the series you may have missed. rhs.org.uk forward slash Wisley Plant Encounters. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram or like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Sean Thomas, and all the podcast team, goodbye.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced-rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 